0: I guess that starts us off for episode 68 of the Motorific podcast. Thank you for joining us. Apologies for delays. Um, It's hard to keep up when real life gets in the way. So hopefully you will enjoy this next episode. We are going to talk about summer. I think we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about riding for summer including base layers how to stay cool how not to roast when you're out there in the heat i actually bought a new base layer so i want to share that too because it's pretty awesome yeah i really like it i like it a lot and then we had a question about riding in the heat um someone from texas who wants us to chat a little bit about that and then someone else who submitted a question um About safety and what you can do to avoid, uh, I guess, avoid dying or being injured while at a stoplight or at intersections. Someone mentioned a story that they had read, presumably in their hometown. I'm not sure of a rider who was killed while at a stoplight. Is there anything a rider can do to be more safe while waiting for the light to change? We'll talk a little bit about that. I have a little bit of experience in that side. Mm, me and then, too. I don't know a couple <laughs> stories. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't? Yeah. Uh, I had only a couple stories. I just had a couple, uh, nothing terribly exciting. And then I don't know, Christy, what do you have for us?
1: Ah, uh, some industry news. I'll be going to World mm-hmm. Superbike and the Moto America round at Laguna oh. Seca this weekend. So I'll be riding up on Friday and. Probably riding back uh, Sunday or Monday. Mm. Mm, um, that sounds fun. Yeah, some industry news. Honda, Recall. Um, if you're interested in becoming the new owner of Eric Buell Racing, I can tell you how you can do that. Um, some news on Bell Helmets and a partnership. So, yeah, something like that. And, you know, the discussion on warm weather riding will be perfect for this friday considering i will at least spend an hour in upper 80s temps before i get out of los angeles and up to monterey where mm. it will be about 75 all weekend so i'm pretty excited about that
0: <laughs> yeah it sounds way better way better than here all right
1: i will probably come back to find tomatoes uh dried on the vine so i will literally have sun-dried tomatoes on the bush <laughs> Nice. Nice.
0: Uh, All right. Let's, well, then let's jump with our new stories before we uh, talk okay. about some of the longer topics.
1: So Honda is recalling a little over 29,000 motorcycles in Japan, spanning across Ooh. 37 different models because of a problem with the starter units. And basically, at the moment, the recall only affects the Japanese market. It'll affect 2013 to 2015 models, so any of our friends listening across the pond—wait, no, the other way, across the uh, pond—should be aware that there's a recall. And I presume if there's any models—I can't imagine all models in the American market are made in America. I'm sure some are imported, so Mm -hmm. perhaps at a future date we will find out if any of the um, shipped models coming out to America have been affected. As far as Bell Helmets, uh, they are announcing a partnership with Freestyle Motocross Legend, Custom Bike Builder, and Pink's husband, Carrie Hart. <laughs> Perhaps known not necessarily in that order of uh, hierarchy, and uh, his Heart Luck brand. And if you're uh, aware, he does have a motocross uh, race team uh, called Heart Kerry Hart will be a brand ambassador and designer of exclusive one-off limited edition Bell products. And his first launch is a Sturgis Anniversary three-quarter helmet, and it actually looks kind of cool. So we mm-hmm. will post uh, the link to that on our website. You can special order that uh, today if you're interested. And if you'd love to become a uh, the owner of Eric Buell's assets july 21st (laughs) is a date that you should memorize the uh virtually turnkey motorcycle production outfit including finished inventory parts and intellectual property will be sold at an auction on july 21st if you want to check out that we'll also post a link in our show notes and uh as far as this weekend looking forward to getting away to uh to Monterey, as always, never a bad day when you're spending some time there. And uh, this weekend's no exception. Moto America, as well as World Superbike, will be up there this weekend. Moto America should be interesting. Um, basically, the kind of back and forth that uh, Rossi and Marquez were having at some point in time before things shifted as of recent. So I'd say maybe last year, last um, Last year's GP race is just about as hot and heavy as this year's uh, Superbike, I think, uh, Superbike between Hayes and Boubier. They're both on Yamaha R1s, and they're both basically massive points ahead of the rest of their competition, but they're only four points apart from each other. So that will be a very good race to catch if you happen to be up there. If you're riding up or happen to be heading up to uh, Superbike, uh, send me uh, me something on uh, social media. I'm everywhere. (laughs) ADV Goddess on Twitter or Motorific Media on Instagram. Also, if you're still wondering whether or not you want to go, haven't bought tickets, you should know that Kawasaki, Suzuki, Ducati, and Yamaha will all have a pretty impressive presence this weekend at the races, and they're all offering packages for World Superbike and Moto America races, uh, a three-day all-inclusive package. And they will mostly be offering test rides as well. Um, I'm not sure if all of those manufacturers will have them, but I can guarantee you that Yamaha will. Um, So you should... uh, if you're in town, definitely check that out. Look at it as an opportunity to go on a nice long ride. And we're talking, I don't know, it's about 30 to 45 minutes on models that you normally wouldn't get that kind of luxury to ride at the showroom for.
0: Very nice. Actually, a friend of ours, he has a Diavel and then uh, he has a BMW and he is seriously considering buying one of the EBRs from the local dealer. They offered him one at a really, really, really good deal. And... Um, He's, yeah, he's trying, he's basically trying to wheel and deal his way to a bargain basement priced EVR. (laughs) They're pretty, pretty hot. I I don't blame him. He's only going to do it if the dealer will support him or will continue to support. Yeah, he'll only do it if he has actual, he has some confirmation or confidence that, yeah, he'll be able to still get what he needs for it. But Yeah, I'm not sure. Well, how could that even
1: be possible? It it, it, it would all depend. He should actually, you should let him know that by uh, July 21st, and by July 23rd, they will get court approval. And so the winner or the the winning bidder will be named Mm -hmm. on July 3rd or 24th, most likely hit motorcycle media mainstream. That should be the Mm -hmm. time that he waits to find out who buys it in order to find out whether or not he really wants to commit to this. Because if a company goes bankrupt... Mm -hmm. Unless you have yeah. access to their parts, or the receivership is interested yep. in in selling that stuff, you're probably not going to find anything unless it's currently floating on the market. I mean, you know, if you need a, a special oil filter or something that's not available for any other models, and there's no aftermarket support for it, you yeah. kind of through.
0: Yeah, I have no idea. You know, honestly, I have no idea what he's gonna or what he's gonna do. I know he's thinking about all of that, but yeah. I wished him luck. I told them mm-hmm. she's buying another Ducati, but whatever. Speaking of Ducati, yeah. I just it's told about you of the copy.
1: getting those replacement parts too. <laughs> well, so i heard. Slightly.
0: The good news for Ducati is they have reported major growth. Um, they said that Ducati North America is posting 106% growth in the month of June year over year. And the first half of 2015 is the most successful. Um, they call it semester in Ducati North America, so Ducati's doing really, 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 really well, and it looks like thanks to the Panigale, well, the 1299 Panigale, the Multistrada 1200, and the Scrambler.
1: Yeah, I would like to at least hear them say our best-selling model is dot dot dot.
0: I would think that's the Scrambler. Mm, maybe hard to know. say. It's
1: it's not like Spacing. I see dozens of them floating around Los Angeles. I don't even know how many are actually on the street.
0: Huh. See, I've actually seen them here.
1: Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I've,
0: I've seen them. My girlfriend bought one. She loves it. And uh, I know another, I have another fr- couple of friends in the Bay Area who bought one. Hmm. And then a lot of customers mentioning how they were on the waiting list. Yeah. And yeah. like in the, like a couple months ago or, you know, in the spring and they were saying how, oh, I'm picking it up this weekend. So, hmm. Well, I think they they did really well with that one because um, nice. it was such a new and yeah cool thing. But congratulations to Well, I also Ducati. haven't really
1: gotten out, haven't even gotten out very much, so that could be part of my my problem. That might be. No, yeah. no scramblers have been laying and splitting beside my car, and uh, yeah. Um well, this weekend this weekend marks a nice long road trip for me, and I'm and I'm taking the BMW, and uh, I actually gave her a bath. I um, replaced the emblem that kind of got a couple of rocks wedged in it. The, uh, hmm. the little blue and white uh, propeller, mm-hmm. so to speak, on the side mm-hmm. had some rocks from my last dirty bender. And so that kind of separated away and I just popped mm-hmm. it off and then pulled off all of the uh, tape and replaced it with the double-sided tape. And actually, since I, I had both cleaned off and I still have the old emblem from when it skidded last year, <laughs> going up <laughs> to World Superbike no less, I decided to actually replace the older one with more motorcycle skid marks so, <laughs> uh, or asphalt skid marks. So I will have a perfectly clean one side with the battle scar across the emblem. And usually I travel with that as kind of a good luck charm. So let's hope nothing screws me up on the way up to... Uh, Laguna Seca this year, but uh, Baby's getting new shoes. She's getting a pair of Continental, uh, uh, I think it's Trail Attack, Continental Trail Attack 2s. So Mm. some nice road road bike tires. Instead of having to fight knobbies on pavement, I'll just hang on Mm. to my remaining TKC 80s until I have a dirty trip planned because the honest truth is that even though I'm called Adventure Goddess, which far precedes me hopping on a motorcycle, the majority of pavement surface, or the majority of surface that I travel, well, is pavement.
0: Adventure wasn't doesn't software. necessarily, but adventure doesn't have to mean oh, motorcycle oh, adventure riding, you know, traveling.
1: I, I know, but people you know, usually see ADP Goddess and they think that I've got some sort of amazing prowess in the dirt, and then they... Be- <gasps> Sadly disenchanted well, when I tell them that the reality is, is out of eight months in South America, I spent two days in the dirt. <laughs> and that's kind of how my matter. life is here. Um, but that's also shaping up because come, uh, <laughs> let's see. So the boyfriend has now, all of his stuff has moved into his house, but his garage <laughs> is a solid wall of boxes. <laughs> Once hmm. those boxes find a home somewhere, his shop, to uh, totally go through the IT-175, my little motocross bike, will be up and going so that he can help me put the finishing touches on this. So I essentially finished the tank and the two-side covers that I was decorating, Mm -hmm. and now I'm just off to priming the front and rear fenders. And then after that, I'll see how they take the clear coat that I bought, hopefully well, and then think by the time I've got that done... um, his shop will be ready, and he can help me kind of go through the carbs and, you know, clean up anything else. He owes me big, so <laughs> I'm expecting the white glove treatment on shining up my little uh, $300 wonder.
0: hmm I wouldn't expect anything less. Oh, yeah. by the way, Ducati said that uh, out of uh, 32,000 bikes since January, sold since January... Nine thousand were scramblers.
1: Yeah, see, not it's only huge. that's the third.
0: Right? A nine thousand. Yeah, but only forty-seven hundred Multistratas, thirty-seven hundred monsters, and three thousand Panigales. The remaining twelve thousand come from all the other models. So the scrambler outsold every other model.
1: How many other models the do they have?
0: <laughs> the Diavel, oh,
1: okay. the A ninety
0: nine Panigale, the Hypermotard, and the Monster twelve hundred.
1: Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I was like, because Ducati's lineup is pretty, you know, it's pretty narrow. It's focused. Yeah.
0: Yep. But Scrambler. Good old Scrambler. Yeah. And they were hard to get to when my girlfriend bought one. The only way she got it was because somebody ordered and backed out. Hmm. So when their order came in, they changed their mind for whatever reason. And the shop called her and then she went and bought it. So she just got lucky because she really wanted it. But there weren't any at the time. She ended up buying a G six fifty, GS, and she she rode it for like a few weeks. And then when the dealer called her, she's like, "I'm coming back. I want that. Wow. I want that scrambler." And she loves it. She's hmm. yeah, she's really enjoying it. It's cute. It's really really yeah. It's a great it's a great little bike. I really Just, like it. It's pretty cool.
1: I think I'm probably in denial. Like. An entire quarter across the United States, 30,000 units doesn't sound like a lot. And that was like their banner quarter.
0: Mm-hmm. 32,000. Hmm. Yep. yep. Congratulations, Ducati. And uh, I don't know what else. Um,
1: Maybe let's... I'll test ride one of those if they have one. You
0: should. Yes. You should de- definitely try to. I want to at some point. Mm-hmm. I don't know when. But we'll see. So let's jump into some gear talk. Well, weather, weather talk. Um, let's talk about this question. Let's see about base layering from head to toe, basically. Um, I think someone just wants to know like, you know, recommendations and ideas for proper layering in the summer from head to toe. What should you wear underneath your gear? Um, besides your undergarments. Or, you know, besides your boxers. Besides your Yeah, under which underwears. you
1: can actually buy in... Yes. In, in, in base layer fabric.
0: In base layer form. So, if you don't know what a base layer is... It's basically the lighter layer that's right up against your skin. Um, So, you know, instead of a cotton t-shirt, think instead of just traditional cotton long johns, but a layer that's a little lighter in the summer, well, really light, and breathes like crazy, and then wicks the moisture away from you so that you can sweat as much as you need to, and then your gear won't stick to you, and you can move a little freer as you're sweating, um, but then it also is supposed to just kind of help keep you comfortable. you know it's not air conditioning or anything like that it's
1: It's, it's also not like wearing a you wet know. blanket if you've sweat in a no. t-shirt and you've yep. really sweat in a t-shirt and yep. and you know the feeling of something that's not quite drying, not quite going mm-hmm. away, and it's kind yep. of like sitting against your Stuck. skin for a couple hours. Yeah, it's not really yep. that pleasant. Nope. Um Yeah, I I'm still hanging on to the somewhat holy icebreaker base layers that we reviewed <laughs> Dude, 2 years ago. <laughs> they
0: have sales like every month.
1: Just yeah, I user. know, but I'm just yeah, cheap.
0: <laughs> I know. That's why I sign up for the sales because they're yeah, way cheaper. 40
1: bucks for a top. It's kind of meh It is. I I am blessed by having, uh, I still have one of those shirts. And in addition to Icebreaker's top and bottom, I also have a Climb base layer as well. Two totally different fabrics, one synthetic, one natural. So one of them is kind of like a yoga pant, long-sleeved top that's uh, a synthetic base layer from Climb. And then uh, I have like a couple of running shirts that also are kind of base layer-like. Mm-hmm. And then I have the uh, the merino wool icebreaker base layers, and when we're talking about having socks and underwear and bras and the whole nine yards, mm-hmm. icebreakers uh, amongst other companies make that full like mm-hmm. run of garments. So, if you were in a climate that suffers far more than someone like me, who is you know ninety five and dry as opposed to ninety five and humid. You might want to check out Icebreakers. Yes. It kind of sounds totally counterproductive that uh, you wear wool because whenever you say the word wool, people are like, oh, God, it's so hot. Yeah. can't believe it. But not every wool garment is that super thick like wool sock yeah. that you had when you were hiking as a child. Um, I was one of those naysayers. We wrote a review on the base layers for this podcast. You can find it on our website. Um, I will put a link to that in our show notes just to make it nice and friendly for you. But um, it was super thin. I wore the first day I wore it when they the company was kind enough to send uh, send us some. Mm-hmm. I wore it on like an eighty seven degree day, walking around downtown, and you know just kind of didn't really think anything of it, and was kind of impressed that I could wear wool. You know, I was just what what this is the strangest thing ever. So yes, it's- it does come in a very fine fine weave, very lightweight, and yep. you know it. It wicks away moisture from your skin, like Joanne mentioned. It doesn't uh, stay completely saturated and wet. It cleans pretty easily. Um, it doesn't...
0: It doesn't smell.
1: Yeah, they, it kind of has antimicrobial thing. properties. Because yeah, if you can imagine... You
0: could sweat and there's no smell.
1: If you can imagine why. Well, I haven't really stuck my nose up in a sheep lately. But if you can imagine, just... <laughs> A merino wool, sh- like a sheep, just with thick, thick, thick hair. I can't imagine that they, you know, I don't know. <laughs> they don't smell nice and clean, but I'm sure that they have some well, sort of...
0: <laughs> the. it's not the animal you're wearing. It's the fibers. No. But <laughs> it, the nice thing about smart wool materials, like the icebreaker, is that it doesn't smell. So you can sweat in it all day long. You can rinse it out at the end of the day in the shower if you need to, if you're traveling. You hang it up to dry overnight, and it's back to normal in the morning, and you cannot tell that you even wore it the day before. So that's one of the main benefits to Smartwool and why it's so expensive, excuse me, to Icebreaker. Smartwool is actually another brand of merino base layers, and then the other thing you want to be careful of is the weight because they make three weights, 150, 200, and 250. And you want the 150 because that's the ultralight for hot weather. The 200 is, is probably too warm. It is too warm, I think, for really hot yeah. weather. Um, but if in general, I would say the, one of the main reasons to spend more money on the nicer base layers is the smell factor, They're a little bit nicer, so when they wash, they don't smell bad. Um, The other thing about the really nice ones is that they don't wear out as quickly. So you know how you wear something a lot and it pills really fast. This doesn't do that. The icebreaker doesn't. um, Actually, the fancy Dionese one I just bought doesn't do that. It also has, at least for motorcycle-specific base layers, they actually um, put the seams like right down the front of your shoulders and down the inside of your arms and they're strategically placing the seams where you need them when you're in riding position. So for us, I think that really does make a huge difference. Um, the Dionysi one, I will, um, will post a link to this that I bought. I really like it and I have to say it's, I think, as good as the icebreaker it doesn't smell um it's really really light and of course they make a lady specific model and um this new line of yeah and and a testament to uh oh i just want to say the name of it was called the dianese d-core dry Hmm. d core dry
1: A testament to a good base layer is also having flat seams and much along the lines of what Joanne was talking about. If you've ridden in jeans, which I'm sure most of us have at some point in our riding career, you know that the seams are very thick. And if you ride in jeans for any length of time, some things get a little irritated after a while. And so that was precisely the reason why you don't want to have awkward seams anywhere Mm -hmm. on your pants or along certain parts of your you know, arms and whatnot. Because if you've taken off a shirt after a couple hours of riding and you can see a mark on your arms or your legs, then mm-hmm. you probably don't have a flat seam or a seam that was meant for the purpose mm-hmm. that you're you know, using it for. It's going to bother the, you after a certain point in time. The
0: other thing that I really like actually about these di- this Dianese shirt too is if you zoom in on the photo it actually has different textures at different articulation points. So where you bend your elbow, the material flexes differently than say up at your shoulder or on your chest. So they actually Hmm. are fitting things according to where you bend your limbs. And it's great. I cannot feel it. I actually spent all day in it today working. I had to go in and do some inventory. Um, monday and i couldn't tell i was wearing it i i really like it right now i'm just pairing it with the icebreaker pant oh i'm having internet drama probably because i'm in a brick box am i does my drama still going okay we apologize for the drama hopefully we'll
1: catch this and edit (laughs)
0: um but we'll post links to this and um you know really i recommend base layers for your entire body i don't wear a head thing But I do have those little buff, like Schuberth buffs. Um, They're just really light, light, Mm -hmm. super light. Uh, They're really, I would say, more for like UV, like covering your neck so you don't get sunburn. Like, I feel like it works well for that. But I actually like using it. um, I wear it in the summer so I can sweat into it. So my cheek, because my cheeks sweat a lot. So, it's nice to have something that I can wipe down my face a little bit with. But I do head to toe, full sleeve, full leg, and then socks. My favorite is actually running socks. Um, I really like the double layered Dr. Wright hmm. running socks. They breathe exceptionally well. But yeah, I recommend full head to toe, even, even in hot, even 100 degrees. And actually, even more so in 100 degrees. Um, because. I have found that riding in really hot, humid weather and hot, dry weather, ninety to a hundred degrees, you have to have something on your body. It's it's imagine going out into Death Valley where that where it's 130 degrees, over a hundred. It's not safe to actually be in the desert exposed to the sun like that. Like your body just heats up so fast and you need gear to block some of that sun and heat and absorb some of it. So if you're out riding in t-shirts and you think it's cooler that way, it's, it's actually the opposite. And we're also going to post a great link to an article about evaporative cooling as well. And you can read about how that affects your body and how you really do need things to block the heat. And that's why I actually wear leather. I wear my Revit leathers in the summer because it absorbs some of the heat for me. And unless I'm sitting in a parking lot in the sun for a half hour, I'm not overheating in it because the material, the leather actually sucks up some of the heat off my body. So it's kind of counterintuitive, but I swear by it along with the base layers. So that's how I roll.
1: Good to know. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. So I'll post a link to this fun article. As soon as I get it to you, I'll I'll copy it to you. Um, There's also, though, you can get cooling vests and cooling like neck collars and wristbands. Basically things you can dunk in water and then it does hold the water in there. But it kind of, after the first, mm, I'd say 30, 40 minutes, it does kind of turn into that wet t-shirt thing. I'm sure there are really good ones out there that last longer, so it doesn't feel like wet t-shirt after 40 minutes. Um, but I did use the Revit one, and I'd say it took about an uh, hour and a half, maybe. Maybe two hours to before it turned into that wet t-shirt feeling. But it did help out for a little while, for sure. Um, but you can definitely go online and look for stuff like that to help minimize the you know the overheating but and of course drinking lots of water stay hydrated that definitely makes a difference as well
1: absolutely
0: yeah and then avoid riding if it's (laughs) if it's 99 and it's hot don't go riding i try to avoid anything over 90 but if i'm traveling well that's the way it is but if it's over 90 i generally don't really want to go riding like i don't know if i know it's going to be 100 i don't that's not something i'm excited to go riding in i guess you know unless it's a trip but definitely depend on um you know what your comfort level is but if it's too hot to ride then you may not you know may not be safe for you to do so so i hope that helps so let's talk a little bit about this other question that we got and do you want to read that other message we got
1: yeah that was from one of our listeners who wrote in through our website and he wants to know um, he read apparently about someone that was killed while they're at a stoplight so i don't have any details or a link and so i'm not too sure how that exactly went down but he asked is there anything a rider can do to be more safe while waiting for the light to change so i can presume that perhaps what happened was he this motorcyclist was from behind or perhaps Someone was making a left turn and cut it a little too too narrow. It's really hard to say. And when I jumped on Google to try to kind of look for motorcyclists killed red light, Mm -hmm. the predominant amount of articles that came up were motorcyclists that were actually running a red light. So Mm -hmm. we don't recommend that because, you know, it's one thing when you're in a box and you're in a hurry and you... Think that you're clear and you're going to go across an intersection as other large boxes um, going across it. But if you're on a motorcycle and you're running a red and someone else is basically hitting the green in a car, it's not going to end well. So uh, as far as that, definitely don't run red lights. Be judicious about your yellow lights. But at the same time, if you're moving pretty fast, there's a car right behind you, you have to be careful about stopping for a red light suddenly that car might be thinking oh well this person's going to go through the interaction just like i am we're both going to pick up the pace so that's something else you need to worry about
0: great now your internet Where is cutting out disgusting. completely Ugh.
1: this is you know it was probably a good idea for me to just not even want to record tonight <laughs> yeah so i don't know I how much got lost in there we'll have to sort this issue out with uh Editing, and I apologize if uh, things get a little choppy because we're having some internet connectivity issues over Skype, but uh, we were discussing the perils of the motorcyclist at a red light, and that's both waiting at a red light as well as you're deciding not to run a red or a yellow when you're coming to a stop, and you may have someone behind you that probably is unaware that you are coming to a stop, so... My recommendation for that particular scenario, if they're not efficient falling distance, that you can start down along in advance, is to try to position yourself either to the far left or the far right of the lane. So if this guy does, guy, girl, whatever, or if this car does not see you um, until the last minute and realize that they're going to run it and you're not, at least they can kind of swerve around you. I'm um, hmm. better off than being... In the middle of the lane. But um, I think what he was mentioned is being stopped and not having anyone else around you at a red, and then suddenly clipped from behind, which is actually one of the reasons why everyone says that lane splitting is a good thing. Because everyone knows the most common accident in a freeway seems to be, now with texting especially, is the rear end collision. Plenty of them all the time. And it's about 1,000 or, you know, 3,000 worth of damage if you scratch your paper. But when you're hitting a motorcyclist, it's a little bit of a different issue because, you know, you could be pushing, uh, knocking the person over, pushing the bike into the car in front of them, crushing them, all kinds of things that that us motorcyclists don't really like to think about, which is why they push lane splitting as keeping it uh, an option so that you're not always sandwiched in between two cars, literally and figuratively when you're coming to a stop on the freeway, um kind of have an exit path, exit route. But uh, you know, getting back to the whole being stop the light, I think Joanne and I covered this a while ago. I'm not sure, does MSF um, does MSF teach you to stay in your high gear and then come to a stop and then downshift or do you incrementally downshift as you're coming to a stop? Uh it
0: just teaches you to downshift to first gear when you come to the stop. It doesn't tell you... Okay. We don't teach you exactly when exactly you should do that. It's up to you to figure out when you need to downshift so that you're in first gear when you're completely and stopped.
1: They, and do they recommend being in neutral at a stop stoplight no. or being in...
0: No, being in first gear because... If you're in neutral, that's another second you have to take to get out of neutral if you have to get out of the way. And that's my argument for staying exactly. in first. I'm never in neutral. And that um, was my point. Yeah, I'm never in neutral. But when, um, when um, I was rear ended at the stoplight, <laughs> the only thing I could have done differently is check my mirrors incessantly, which I now do to see if someone behind me is missing the light or is texting or not paying attention. So situational awareness is the only other thing I can recommend to stay on top of something like that. So not, um, you know, daydreaming, but when you're at the stoplight, look around and see if people are texting, see if people are paying attention, look behind you. You know, certainly when you go through the intersections, you want to actually check each direction, especially in this here. People run red lights all the time, constantly. They're actually running their red lights uh, in the opposite direction in front of us before it turns green. For me, the person in front of me trying to go left in front, they actually will pull out like 10 seconds before it turns green because they don't want to wait if it's not a protected turn. So I'd say situational awareness is the only other thing you can really do aside from choosing the right lane position. I also like being on the outside as well for for that reason. But um, there are some things you can't prepare for. You know, there's just those sometimes there's that split second, where somebody simply is not paying attention, and they do something completely unplanned for that you could not foresee. You know, that's, I think the kind of 1% risk of riding. I mean motorcycles are dangerous. You could die riding your motorcycle and I, I feel like some of these incidents are are that case. Drunk drivers, that's a really good example. You can't plan for someone driving drunk behind the wheel and running you off the road. Certainly there are I'm sure there are many instances where situational awareness can help, but I'm sure, you know, in the middle of the night when you're riding home um on a two lane highway and you're coming around a corner at regular speed and you're not speeding and you're riding within your means in the right part of the lane, there could be some idiot drunk driving and they come into your lane. So I feel like there's just some things like stoplight, you know, being rear-ended at a stoplight or stop sign that you have no control over. Like, especially if it's five cars back, right? Maybe someone, three cars behind you, rear-ends the two people in front and you have no idea because the person behind you stopped normally. You know, would you expect that? But You know, you can be hyper-aware of your surroundings, I suppose.
1: Um, And getting back to the reason I was asking about MSF, is my particular experience with the getting clips from behind slash someone who quite didn't see or recognize that the light was red and or I wasn't going through it, is that if you are let's say, fifth, coming to a stop, and you don't incrementally downshift, then that means you're still in fifth year, Need to get out and hurry of any situation that you're in at any speed you're at. And so, at 15 miles an hour, and you're in fifth and you're trying to get the hell out of there, it's really not going to work you for be you. Fifth
0: at 15 miles an hour.
1: When I come to a stop, I'm. we just talked about how when you come up to a you, the MSF didn't say that you needed to downshift incrementally as you go, and that as long as you're in first when you end, right?
0: Well, you have to downshift incrementally anyway. The bike won't let you otherwise.
1: Okay. Mm. Well, that was the point that I was asking and trying to make. We we didn't quite, well, if you have your question, um, we didn't quite see eye on that response. So the reason why I was asking is that I know as far as uh, Six Shift Manual, some people in cars do that same thing where they have the clutch in as they're coming to a stop and they're still in it for gear and they're not going down accordingly. They're not downshifting as they slow down. So that's, you know, if that's something that you're doing when you're to a stop. You might want to reconsider just because if you need to get out of there in a hurry and you're in too high of a gear and you let out the clutch and you try to accelerate, it's not going to work out as, as well right. as you planned. And sure. I was glad I was in first at this light and not in neutral like most people are and it's not just you know people who want to stop and text and do whatever on their bikes i ride with a lot of people professionals in the industry you know random one and they're always in neutral and i just kind of look over like yeah i'm just gonna keep my hand on this clutch here and stay in first yeah i'm totally fine with that um because in the particular situation i looked behind me and saw this guy in 40 20 feet from behind me, still. As I'm, this is maybe like the first six months that I was on a motorcycle, and fortunately, there was no one in the intersection at the time because I was situationally aware, and I basically blew it. Had to. <laughs> I was right in the middle. The There's no one, unless I was gonna get off my bike and dump it right there for the guy oh. to run over it. <laughs> that was pretty much the only outcome was for me to, to juice through the intersection. So I definitely don't recommend that as the the answer to everyone's prayers. But as long as you're situationally aware and you see this person, you know, coming up on you and you start to evaluate, all right, what are my options here? Um, Dump the bike and run to the left or right, you know, going to the crosswalk. um, That particular response just worked out well for me.
0: Oh, so, okay. I think what you're trying to ask is, do they teach you how to downshift for your speed and how do you you know yes so there's the shifting exercise which teaches you how to go back and forth from second to third and how to figure out which one you should be in. Should you be in second or should you be in third based on your speed. So you should not be in fourth gear when you're going five or ten because you should be able to judge for your bike you know what that appropriate shift uh, schedule is because on some bikes you can't like uh, on my um, four cylinder 750 I you could not be in f- a third or fourth gear going 20 miles an hour because the engine would just stutter and die so you had to be yeah. already out but then on my triumph I the other day I accidentally Started up in second. I had no idea I was in second because I wasn't looking down at my speed at my um tack. I had no idea. But the engine is so smooth. It's so I don't know something about that that engine where it allowed me to do that. But yeah, you do learn like okay, this is the appropriate gear for this speed. So yeah, that's definitely yeah. I'd say timing wise, that's definitely something you wanna you wanna plan for. But I don't know. Sometimes I'll actually put my bike in neutral when I'm just tired. Um, if there's been a lot yeah. of traffic, it's like, you know, if you're stop and go for 20 miles and you're just tired of holding the clutch and then sometimes you're going to do that, which does suck. Um, but, you know, stay yeah. aware of your surroundings. No, I ask because
1: still. I know that on certain, on certain topics, I know that I disagree with what they teach. So sure. I just wanted to clarify.
0: Everybody. Yeah, Definitely. A lot of people disagree with what they teach.
1: That's for sure. Um, so, what else we got? Any uh, any dear Joanne, dear Gear Chick, messages? Um, actually, a couple. couple
0: I did post a couple of questions in the Q and A part of my blog. I had someone write in looking for summer hot weather gear. <laughs> For Louisiana, I think, or South Carolina. I can't remember. Somewhere down in the south. Mm. And she's shopping for all... Yes, all mesh. uh, Not necessarily waterproof, but just hot weather riding gear. And she was uh, very concerned because she works out a lot. And she likes to strength train. So she has really strong shoulders and biceps and um, arms. So she needs a little more room there. So I gave her a couple of really nice ideas for...
1: Yeah, um, probably jacket not
0: and, uh, <laughs> No, sadly not. But I recommended yeah. some Olympia, which is really great when you need a little more room in the shoulders, but you still want to have a narrower waist, a little bit smaller waistline. It's just because a lot of stuff is big in the shoulder and then big in the waist. So I did post that uh, recently. And then I think I had another question that I posted in my Too Short section, I have a little menu called too short to ride. So those are just some of my random posts about riding when you're short, because it's, you know, one of those things that is always a struggle. Um, But that's about all I've been doing. Other than that, buying, (laughs) trying to buy replacement gear from my accident. So I got new boots. Um, I got what else I do? Oh, I bought pants. On eBay.
1: <laughs> What'd you buy? Come on. What'd you I, buy?
0: I actually bought old Revit gear pants, surprisingly, instead of the new ones because the old ones are a lot less roomy in the waist and the butt because I don't have a butt. I'm very flat. So my existing ones are really, really loose in the butt. However, my hips, though, are still my hips. So I can't go down a size because my hips won't fit in. So I needed a flatter pant. So I just got the older versions, which is basically the same pant. Mesh, leather, waterproof liner. And yeah, nothing terribly, terribly different. They look pretty much the same. And then um, the boots, Star. This time I bought Stars ladies SMX6 boots because my feet are really tiny. And the CDs, they're actually half a size, too large for me now. So decided to actually get something that fits my foot.
1: How well, did your feet shrink?
0: Uh, you know they they did. I'd say they went down about a half size after I lost about twenty pounds. And I wow. had
1: been That's using
0: Yeah, when you lose weight you lose it in your feet too. Um hmm. I put in I had two insoles in there. But I just got tired of the weird fit, and I just wanted a boot that was actually my foot size, not larger with inserts. I'll still wear them, I think, time to time, but I just like the way that Alpenstar's ladies boots fit me because my feet are short and a little bit wider. So the Alpenstar's is nice for that, and they look good, and they're they're pretty protective. They're not as strong as the CD Vertigo's, but they'll they'll do... I'm going to wear them for a little while and, and see how it goes. Um, but my foot is, mm, it's like 80%. I found out tomorrow morning, in fact. I have to get up in seven hours to go visit the podiatrist. And then I'll have a new, new verdict. Hopefully this is just something that is annoying for another few weeks and then it'll be gone. So praying for no stress fractures. Fingers crossed. And that's it otherwise I am pretty much back to normal well physically anyway just cool that, yeah oh forgot one other announcement I am going to the women's sport bike rally I can't remember if yeah, we talked we about that last one we did right yeah, we did and I'm going to uh-huh. sponsor one night uh-huh. so spread the word friends just because you're Joanne's a
1: guy first round is on Joanne <laughs>
0: And men I'm can come you know. <laughs> with their women. So if you have a gal who has a sport bike and she wants to come, you can absolutely come with her. But you have to be a guest of an of a female who is attending. Coincidentally, during the same week, which is September 11th, the Triumph uh, sport bike rally or Triumph rally is also happening at Deals Gap. So I'm going to try... To go hang out a little a bit there, yeah, before the women's sport bike rally part because it's happening in this same place. So, nice. Should be exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I totally, totally hoping to go check that out at the same time. Yep. Other than that, just the same old stuff. Ow. Like a bum foot. I think that's all I have, sadly, for this episode.
1: That's pretty much all I got, too. Yep. This episode might be pretty short after our technical difficulty edits. (laughs) See how that pans out.
0: We're sorry. We will try to come back to you a little bit longer and stronger for 69. Um, We always appreciate your feedbacks (laughs) and for joining us. We thank you for hanging in there and waiting for the next episode between work schedules and whatnot it's it's just not easy always to get together when we want to but we hope you have enjoyed your time with us as always please visit us at motorific.com on instagram as motorific media and then of course on facebook as motorific podcast and we will definitely see you next time for 69